You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. everybody doing today? Great to see you. Happy New Year, Chinese New Year, and happy six-year anniversary. Great to see everybody today. Man, looking forward to some great, great things ahead. I'm excited. I think something great is happening. I mean, after all, the Niners are going to the Super Bowl. I mean, our church is around. It's a new decade. There's lots of great things happening, and I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do in the next several years to come. We are in a series that we will be wrapping up today entitled Arrows, and it's been awesome to just kind of step back and look at how do we actually accomplish all that we have deep in our hearts to do, all that we've dreamed about doing, all that we want to see accomplished, all that we know that God wants to do in us and through us, and we've been studying several passages on looking at how do we actually hit the target? How do we do it? How do we, how do we come to the end of 2020 and look back and say, this was a game-changing year for several reasons, and it's because, you know what, it wasn't just about setting a new goal this year. It was bigger than that. Because every year people set goals, but it's so much deeper. You say, how am I going to hit the target in my life? And we said, the fact is, it's not the problem with your target. Your target with your spiritual life, with your finances, with your relationship. Everybody here has a target in mind that they want to hit. The problem is not your target. That's a good target to get closer to God, closer to your friends, closer to those people. That's great. Oftentimes, our problem is our trajectory. If the target is over there, but I'm aiming over here, I'll never hit the target. So what often happens is we say, I want to save more money. And we use a silly illustration, but yet we spend our money and we never save it. Hey, we've got a great target, but we've got the wrong trajectory. So what we need to do is say, you know what? I want to save money. So guess what? To save money means, guess what? I don't spend as much. So what are you doing every day when you say, I'm going to save that $5 instead of buying uh, Starbucks, which they should change the name to five bucks because you ain't going to get out of there without buying a $5 coffee. And so it's one of those where you say, hey, I'm going to fix the trajectory. So the first week we said, you know what? We're going to live towards a target. So we're going to ask ourselves a question. The question is this. Hey, is what I'm doing today in alignment with where I want to be? Am I in alignment with that? And so we looked at several things. We also looked at the fact that it's not enough just to hit the target. You say, that's not enough motivation. We need to have a reason why. And we looked at several passages where the Apostle Paul, he said he had a reason looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised the cross and its shame. See, Jesus had a reason why he could hit the target. You and I need to have a reason. We need to say, you know what? Hey, I, I do have a reason. 
Man, I want to have a relationship that goes the distance. You know what? I do actually want to retire before I'm 900 years old. You know, I actually do don't want to be working for the rest of my life. Or you know what? I want to have a good relationship to the people that matter most to me. So I'm going to take steps to get there. So we've got a reason. Last week, we talked about something that was the hardest part of this whole process. And that's the waiting. That's the enduring That's the remaining. That's the steps where it's saying, hey, can I have peace in this process? And we said something very profound. We said, you know what? The seed is still on schedule, that God's got his timing. He has his timing for all these things to happen in your life. And sometimes it's hard to trust God. But we learn through the series that we can trust God. Well, now we come to today. And I want to kick off and kind of close this series with this idea. And uh, it really has to do with, I, I originally entitled this sermon, Trouble with the Release. Because an archer, his main goal is to release that arrow, isn't it? It's to hit that target. It's to hit it. But so many times we struggle with the release. We struggle with being unsure. Are we going to hit this target? So what happens is many times we, we don't launch the arrow. We don't let it go. Uh, six years ago to the date, my wife and I, we opened the doors to Southridge. That very first Sunday, it was in the Oak Ridge Mall movie theater. It was in Theater 7 is where we had the children's ministry, and Theater 8 is uh, where we had the first service. And, man, we were excited, nervous, couldn't sleep the night before, all the jitters, wasn't sure what was going to happen. And we were just kind of like, oh, my goodness, what is God going to do. And that first day it happened. It was exciting. And it's kind of neat because some of you that are here, you were at that first service. God bless you for enduring that first service. Like you are going to get a trophy and a crown in heaven because the guy that was supposed to lead worship gets there that day and he has strep throat. And so a visitor of mine that I actually didn't even know all that well, he showed up. I didn't know he was going to show up. And I was like, hey, can you sing? He was like, yeah, kind of. I was like, excellent. Here's a microphone. You're going to lead worship today. So great. And uh, then the second week, um, we had this old school thing. I don't know if you ever went to a church like this, where at the end of the service, you'd close out in prayer. And instead of him praying, he called some random visitor to pray. It was their second time in our church. And they got pointed out in front of everybody. Hey, stand up and pray. It was the most awkward thing you've ever been to. It was amazing that we're still here. You know what? We would have mega churches send people, because we were one of the early churches to do church in a theater. So they would send their, their, their teams. I kid you not, there were churches that would run like four and 5,000 people. They would send a team down, okay? Their team was bigger than our church, okay? And they were like, we want to know how to do uh, a church in a theater. They'd walk in, and they would look at our refreshments. You know what it was? A Keurig coffee machine. That's it. That's all we would do, because we didn't need a bunch of cups. It was like, there's 10 cups. We're good. That's all we need. Ten. Why waste? Save the trees. You know? And they were like, show us your sound system. I was like, excellent. You want to see our 16-channel Allen and Heath board? Excellent. It's right down here. That's it. And they just kind of looked down, and I was like, we don't have any instruments. We don't really need it. It was just like, you just look at us. And, and, and they would sit up there as I'm preaching. And they weren't trying to be mean, but they would literally kind of snicker and laugh. You say, why? Because I didn't really know where we were headed. I didn't know who I was. You say, why? You would show up at the theater. I'd be wearing a suit with no tie. Because my background, you, you dressed up to the nines. You wore a suit. You wore a tie. You had a big old King James Bible. I mean, Big old family Bible, like, like you, you could hurt somebody with that kind of a Bible, you know? And uh, you, you just show up like that, and you're walking into a theater. And it, it was like you going to a Mexican restaurant and them serving Chinese food. You're just like, what? Like, this doesn't make sense. 
You know what's so funny? People would not have been surprised if we closed. They would not have been. We were the type of church, they're surprised we're still going. And some of you are the same. People would not be surprised if your relationship split up. They're surprised that you're still together. And you should, instead of getting offended, you should be like, yeah. Because guess what? I'm an underdog. I'm the one that nobody saw coming. I'm the one that came out of nowhere who nobody thought I would make it. Nobody thought I'd go to college. Nobody thought I would get the job. Nobody thought I would amount to anything. Nobody thought I could, I could stay in a relationship. Nobody thought that I could have a walk with God. Nobody thought they counted me out. You say, why do you bring up all that? Because we met several people who they would tell us, oh, we're going to plant a church too. We're going to plant a church. And today, six, seven years later, they're still telling me, we're going to plant a church. We're going to plant a church. And I'm like, why don't you? Like, it was so goofy. It was so sad to walk in. But, man, we had passion. We had hope. But we had nothing else. We had no money. You came over to my house. And guess what? We would do life groups at our house. The church storage was at my house. Church office was in my house. Church counseling happened at my house. Everything happened at my house. We weren't getting paid. I would do side jobs. And it was one of those things where you just look back and you're like, wow, God, how, how, did, we, how did we make it? And a lot of people, they say, man, I want, I want to do something. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, I want to do that. But they, they got this thing, and they're ready, but they struggle with the release. God has put dreams and destiny inside of you. But what happens is we're kind of afraid of looking foolish, so we never release. We don't. And this morning, some of you feel so out of control in your life. You just feel like, man, I have no control over my life. And it's because you don't have a plan for your life. And if you don't have a plan for your life, mark it down. Somebody else does. And when somebody else does have a plan, your boss has a plan for your life. Hey, there's somebody else that has a plan for your life. Until you get a plan, you get a vision from God and say, God, show me what you want. Show me what I can do. What kingdom impact can I have? And God, I'm okay with looking silly. I'm okay with having them in theater eight snickering like, who is this guy? Because guess what? I'll still be standing six years later. I'll still be married. I'll still be loving God. I may not be pretty when I cross the finish line, but I will cross that finish line. That's the goal. That's the goal. And so when we come to a day like today, we need to ask ourselves the question, are we struggling with the release? This year, God has great things in store for you. It's still early. It's still early on. You haven't messed up this year. You haven't failed. You are still in January. There's still time to say, you know what? There's some dreams and desires. There's some things that God has let buried in my heart that have been dormant for too long, and I'm not going to struggle with the release. All that being said, would you turn your attention to Psalms chapter 78? Psalm chapter 78. Many people say that I speak really fast, and I apologize. If you're a guest here, I do speak fast, but it's because I actually have about three hours of content, so instead of keeping you for three hours, I just talk faster, so you only hear 45 minutes, all right? So deal, deal? All right, excellent, excellent. I have a mentor, a coach, and he's like, you need to listen to audible books at 1.75 speed. I said, are you kidding me? That's like, that's what it sounds like to me. He's like, no, you'll get used to it, and I guess I'm just turning up the speed, so you guys have to listen a little bit faster stay in your toes take some good notes you got your handouts this week I was walking through praying over the seats putting on the bulletins and I picked up somebody's notes from last week and I was so touched because I was thinking man this is a great message I worked really hard on that message and the whole time I'm reading their notes and they're going everywhere else and they're saying are you going to lunch 
yeah, where do you want to go to lunch? And it just kept going. The whole thing. They were talking about lunch. Here I'm like, dear God, work in a mighty way. And what are they talking about? They're talking about, should we do KFC or Taco Bell? Which either one are bad. Like, just that, that Taco Bell and KFC, just the, the bad, all right? So, you know, I mean, hey, I'll talk fast. You try to listen fast. We'll get out of here and we'll enjoy the weekend together. Psalm 78, notice if you would, verse number one. Oh, my people, listen to my instruction. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell them to the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Wow, right there. Can we just pause and just reflect and meditate on that? What Israel was called to do was to keep pouring into the next generation and tell that next generation, you got to take this and pour it into the next generation. If there's ever been a time where we need to take up that mantra and say, God, I may not be the one with the biggest splash, but I will own my averageness and I will just pour into the next person. It's not about what you create. It's about emptying yourself, saying, God, who can I just pour into and pour my love and my passion so that this next generation would set their hope anew on God? Because we've got a generation and we're struggling, aren't we? We got a generation that lives in anxiety, lives in depression, a generation that does not see future, does not see a hope, that is scared of what to do next, scared of will they fail, scared of what will happen. It's because we have failed as a generation to help the next generation set its hope anew on God. May those verses fire something in your spirit. May they ignite something that's dormant in your life. I pray as we just look over these verses, it helps us. But notice something powerful. Verse number seven. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn and rebellious and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. Wow. We just came through an incredible passage of Scripture that talks about this next generation, that talks about the battles to come. And then it mentions Ephraim, who is one of Joseph's two sons. That's where that tribe came from. He had two sons. And so here is this, this tribe. Now, here's something you need to know about the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim was where all the warriors of Israel came from. They were the best with a bow. They were the best warriors. Anytime Israel was going to go to war, Ephraim brought the most soldiers. If you read 1 Chronicles, it talks about their renown and their fame. They're the greatest warriors. So how do you have the greatest warriors in all of Israel get to a battle? And they are well known. Other nations feared the Ephraim tribe. But yet they get to the battle. The Bible says that they had bows. They were armed. They were able. And they turned back in the day of battle. 
And it reminds me of myself and you. The Bible says he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things. There's nothing you're missing. There's nothing you need. Can I quote a movie reference from A Rise of Skywalker for a second at the very end, okay? She goes back, all right? And spoilers, okay? If you haven't seen the movie, that's your fault if I'm spoiling it, okay? All right? And so she goes back to the island, and then she's burning the ship. She's just running away from all of her problems, and she takes her lightsaber. She's going to throw it in the fire, and all of a sudden, the best moment of the movie, Luke Skywalker catches it and then gives it back. He says, don't run from this. And she says, I don't have a ship. I don't have anything. And then he says, you have everything you need. And then the coolest part, he pulls his X-Wing, the one from the original movies. Come on, somebody, if the word isn't doing it, is not Rise of Skywalker doing it for you? Like, what do I have to do? Man, that ship came out, and I about just got so giddy about, it's gross. I almost wet myself just a little bit, just, just a little bit. I was like, woo, you know. We can edit that out of the podcast. Let's, let's, let's take that out later on but it was an exciting moment and all of a sudden it reminds me that some of us we feel like I can't hit that target I don't have what it takes something I realized I was listening to a podcast and they said researchers have determined that children when they're told they're really special you would think that when they go into an assignment because they think they're special that they would work harder But researchers now have confirmed that when you tell a child they're special and they're a snowflake and they can accomplish anything, they actually are more afraid to fail, so they try less. But when you tell a child, you know what, (laughs) your average, buddy, (laughs) your average, but you got grit. You know what that kid does? He's like, yeah, I'm nothing. I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose. They don't think I'm anything, so I might as well go for it. So some of you sitting in this room, you've been told, guess what? Eh, You're average. Eh, You're not that great. You're just normal. Can we just own our average? That there's just, there's no snowflakes in the room. I know we're fearfully, wonderfully made, but that's God. That's not humans. Only God really thinks that about you. My own wife doesn't even think I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, all right, come on. Let's just call it out, all right? I ain't a snowflake in this room. Neither are you. We're average. But guess what? Average ain't afraid to fail. Average ain't afraid to do anything. Why? Because guess what? Nobody was expecting us to succeed anyway. They're surprised that we're still around. So it's time that we step back and say, you know what? Ephraim, they had it all together. They were told they were special, but guess what? They were afraid to fail. So when it came time to take on the battles that they could have won, they said, No, I'm not going to go for it. So some of you are going to sit in this season, and God has got great targets, great things he wants you to accomplish, that guess what? You and I are so, we are afraid to go for it. And it is scary to launch out. And it is scary to attempt great things. But it leads me to my first point. An arrow is a weapon, and this is a war. Arrows are a weapon, and this is a war. Now, I know we come to church and and we don't want to hear about war. Come on, pastor. I already watched the news last night. And just don't watch the news before you go to bed. I mean, you can watch it in the morning or some other time. But when you go to bed, you just get a panic attack, anxiety. All that happens. And, And yet I do want you to understand that, guess what? It is a war. 
We need to look around and see that, hey, suicide is taking out the next generation. Depression is taking out a generation. Anxiety is taking out a generation. The opioid epidemic is taking out a generation. The fatherless crisis is taking out a generation. So if we don't wake up and say, this is a war, and I am armed, and I've got everything that I need for life and godliness, and I am not going to turn back in the day of battle, that I guess what? I will stand up. Because here's what God promised Israel. He said, one will turn to flight a thousand and a thousand will turn to flight 10,000. So what did Israel have to fear? What do you and I have to fear? Is God not for us? Who can be against us? Romans 8, let's go there, people. Let's know the word. It speaks for us. God is saying, you are more than a conqueror. So I know that we're average, but guess what? Through Christ, I can do all things through him, which strengthens me. So yes, it doesn't take away the difficulty. It doesn't take away the six years. It was very hard. Many times we're thinking, is this thing going to make it? Many times looking in the church bank account and thinking, guess what, honey? We're going to have to draw from our savings account to pay the church's bills because the church don't have any money. And we weren't even given a paycheck from the church. And there's those dark moments. And you've been there. I'm not the only one that's been there who's got more month than I have paycheck. And you're thinking, how are we going to buy groceries? And you're just thinking, God, will you just stretch out this soup a little bit? Just add a little water to that soup, God. You know, just kind of water down the milk. Got to make it work. And you just see those moments where God just grows you. And he's building your character. And he's strengthening your faith. And what is he doing? He's helping you. And so we need to step back and say, you know what? It is a war. This is a fight. And I am armed. I was listening to a comedian, and she was talking about the world. And this is a comedian. She's a secularist. She's not, she's not Christian at all. And she said, it is a battleground. She was talking to Oprah, and she said, hey, we're warriors. She said, look at the world. We're warriors. we got to fight for something. There's so much to fight for. You see, here's, here's what they forgot. They forgot what they were fighting for. They were fighting for the next generation. But they said, mm, I'm done. Find your fight this morning. Find your fight. Come on, fight for the relationship. If you're married, fight for that marriage. Can I tell you something? The first six or seven years are just rough. It's just rough, all right? Same thing with playing in a church. First six or seven years, it's just rough, okay? Just rough. But you know what? You start, you start just battling through it because it is a fight. Every day you wake up and you have to have this mindset that says, guess what? God, today is a new day. What have you called me? What have you put me on this earth to do? So God, I'm going to find my fight. And I'm going to fight the battles that you've called me to. And so, God, if this is the fight to go into this area, and I'm so grateful for a pastor that I sat under, and when I would talk to him, I said in 2012, I said, I think God is calling Jane and I to plant a church. And I had a great relationship, great respect for this man. And he could have told me any city in any state to go plant a church. And I said, hey, where do you want me to go? And he said, I want you to stay in San Jose because we've got a battleground here. He said, this area is just godless. 3% of the Bay Area's population goes to any religion. Any. 3%. We've got a battleground right here. And the race is not given to the swift nor the battle to the strong. God said, I use the foolish things to confound the wise. That's why God will take a lad with some stones and take down Goliath. That's why God will take three Hebrews and go and topple an empire. That's why God will use a Moses, somebody that was on the backside of the wilderness, and God will bring him up. That's why God will take a lad with just a few loaves and a few fishes and say, I will feed 5,000 through him. So don't despise the day of small things. 
Find your fight and say, God, what do you want me to fight for? And if you are here today and you just say, you know what? My fight is for my children, that I will make sure my children don't fall for the opioid conflict. I will make sure that they stay clean. I will make sure, guess what? They get things that I did not have. I will fight for my children. Maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, I'm just fighting for my purity right now. I'm just going to live pure. Some of you are just fighting for your relationship with God. Everything around you is telling you to just just give up on God, to just walk away. And I want to encourage you to find your fight. But really, why did these, this tribe walk away? And I think another thing that happens is because you look at the battle and you think, this is impossible. I want you to write down a statement if you would. I think it'll help you. Because this week I was doing some marriage counseling. And I asked the happy couple about to get married. I said, I want you guys to look at each other. And I want you to tell the other person what they what really gets you excited about them. And I said, it can't have to do with their looks. I said, you got to think about it. Don't give me the, oh, she's cute. She's hot. He, he's got muscles. He's got a big bank account. I, I don't know. I was like, none of that. I said, you got to dig deep and find real things. And then they started to talk about, oh, I just love that. You're just caring. You're empathetic. You're merciful. You know when I'm down, you know how to cheer me up. You know how, 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 how to help me. You help me be a better version of myself. And I said, what's happening to you two right now? And they said, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of liking the other person a whole lot more. And I said, you know why? Because feelings follow focus. What you focus on, your feelings follow. If you focus on the battle and the enemy and the discouragement and all that's going wrong in your life, do you know how depressed and discouraged you're going to be? That's why when you spend 45 minutes watching news before you go to bed, guess how you're going to wake up that morning? You're going to wake up with fear, anxiety, and panic because what are you focusing on? But if you and I will do what this scripture says, because in verse number 11, if you read it, it says, and they forgot their God. They forgot what to focus on. You and I can look at all the things that have happened in 2019, 2018, 2017, go back as far as you want and look at all the things. But guess what? You need to pick something that says, you know, I'm going to focus on the one bright thing in my life. So I walk around just looking for things. The other day, I live in a small house in an okay neighborhood. And I said, honey, we have a nice house. It's falling apart. We're having to fix things like crazy. We're remodeling tons of stuff. We had a little rodent issue not too long ago. My wife hates rodents. And they had taken up residence in one of our dresser drawers. We don't know how they got there. And my wife just told me, you better get rid of it. I have a shotgun. She wanted me to use it on the rodent. I said, honey, that's a little bit overkill. She said, no, it's not. She said, that thing needs to die. Kill Mickey. And I was like, oh, hateful, you know. And it's one of those things where all of a sudden you can look at your house. And I said, you know what? I can see the negative or I can focus on the positive. I can see the negative in my life and I can focus on it. And guess what? It'll sour everything. But the job for me is to be CEO, chief encouragement officer. How about you be a CEO, chief encouragement officer? And I'm not just talking Pollyanna. I'm just saying, hey, find something that's real that you can say, you know what, this is what we're going to focus on. Our marriage hasn't been that great, but guess what? This has been good. Somebody texted me the other day. He said, Micaiah, how are you doing? And I said, I'll be honest. 2019 almost took me out. Everything that was happening in ministry, and I just went through it. And there's certain pastor friends I can just kind of be myself around and just kind of drop the guard and tell things that I don't get to tell everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty authentic, but I can't tell you everything. And so I was just able to just kind of vent to tell him. But I said, here's what's amazing. I had the toughest season of ministry, but I said, flip side, I had the best season personally. I said, my marriage has never been better. I said, my kids, I'm more in love with them. 
I said, God is doing so much that I just didn't see because all the negative. And I said, it's amazing. I'm looking back on the year and I'm just saying, how in the world? This is incredible that God is doing because feelings follow focus. So if you are going to launch that arrow, if you're going to do it, guess what? If you're going to stop struggling with the release, you got to understand something. Arrows are a weapon and this is a war. Secondly, here's another thing I want you to notice. Arrows are meant to be airborne. I know it's simple, isn't it? Arrows are meant to be airborne. I want to change my message title. Can I do it? And I want you to tell your neighbor what my message title is. And I want you to shove them, punch them, slap them, whatever you got to do. Ask them to stop writing about Taco Bell or KFC. And I want you to tell your neighbor, let it fly. Let it fly. Because if there's one thing Satan wants to get you to do in 2020, he doesn't want you to sink that arrow into that bullseye. He knows right now you have great goals, great dreams. So the one thing he wants you to do is to never let it fly. He doesn't want that arrow to be airborne. He wants you to be just like the children of Ephraim, who they had everything they needed. They were amazing archers. The children of Ephraim, guess what? They could fire three arrows in under two seconds. They could carry three arrows, and they could shoot both of them, and they could hit a target. They could hit shoot using right hand and left-handed. They were supposed to be ambidextrous, incredible archers. Can I tell you something? They wouldn't just fire one arrow at a target. They would fire multiple arrows at a target. And these archers, they could hit. Here's what they could hit. They could hit something the size of an aspirin from 25 yards away. You say, what in the world? They were incredible archers with incredible accuracy, incredibly dangerous. They would win fights. They would win wars. But here they are. They got everything they need. But they won't let it fly. What are you going to do with that arrow? You're just going to hold on to it? You're going to hold on to this life and just kind of hunker down and say, look at the world. It's just kind of going to hell in a handbasket. Or are we going to say, you know what? I got this opportunity. I live in the Bay Area. This is a great need. This is a mission field. And I'm at a church that has a mission that says to lead people to find and follow Jesus. In the last six years, do you know we have reached through our church services or outreach events 13,120 people? That's how many people we've reached. That's how many people that have come to our doors, that have registered for an event, that have shown up. 13,000 people. You show me a church that's done that that's our size. You say, how many have given their life to Christ? 1,830 given their life to Christ. You say, what else have we done? There's an orphanage. There were 78 children in India now can live. They're not going to be given into uh, prostitution. They're not going to be in the sex trade. They're not going to be in that. They're off the streets. There's 78. Our church helped do that. Not only that, over, over six years, we've given away over $300,000, and we've invested it back in our community through backpacks, through events, through bicycles. That's just what God has done through this church. And we look around and say, what? Because typically churches 10 times our size are doing that. But what are we saying? We're saying we're going to let it fly. We're going to let it fly because we're going to own our average. Laugh at our sound system. That's fine. We're going to go fill a stadium. <laughs> That's just what we do. Hey, laugh at our graphics. Laugh at what the pastor's wearing. Laugh at it. It's fine. That's fine. They laughed at Jesus. His own family, his own brothers and sisters were like, Jesus, come on, stop. You're embarrassing the family. Come on. But the moment you say, guess what? I'm not afraid. 
I'm not afraid. I'm going to let the arrow fly. That's when God can use us in a greater way. That's when God, all of a sudden, he opens up the doors and he's saying, guess what? You are called to greater things. I love this. Isaiah 49 verse 2, it says this. He made my words of judgment as a sharp sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I'm like a sharp arrow in his quiver. I love that. God says you're a sharp arrow, not a broken arrow. And some of you are defining yourself based on what's happened to you. And those, guess what, may describe you, but they don't need to define you. And so you need to say, guess what? God doesn't call me a broken arrow, doesn't call me a crooked arrow. He calls me a sharp arrow. And that's one that God says, hey, I'm going to use for battle. That's the one that it was a special arrow. That was the arrow. And I, we kind of joke around, but, you know, it's kind of like in those, those, those pivotal moments. It's like, hey, I got my trusty arrow, and that's the arrow they would use. That's that arrow that they said, it's life or death. This is the arrow I'm going to use. And God says, you're my arrow for a life or death situation. God may use you to spark a fire in somebody's life where, guess what? They start thinking, is my life heading in the wrong direction? You may be the one that God says, guess what? I'm going to use you in a way you never thought possible. Most of us don't know evangelist uh, uh, Mordecai Ham. Anybody ever heard that name? Mike, you would. Stop it. Oh, another person. You want to know who he is? He's the evangelist that won Billy Graham to the Lord. How many know Billy Graham? When God needs an arrow, can he look at Southridge Church and say, guess what? I see about 95 arrows that I can use. I see an army of people that when I send them to do a job, they do it. No matter if they have the money to do it, no matter if they have the ability to do it, They've just got a passion from God from on high. And guess what? I need you to understand something. Nobody ever thought the early church of 120 would ever turn the world upside down. We've never been in a position where we're like, yeah, we're going to do it. I've never been at a dinner table and people are just like, man, your ideas, my guy, are so revolutionary. Hey, you're just going to do such great things. Nobody's ever done that. As a matter of fact, they're like, hmm, that's nice. It's not until after the fact they're like, "Uh, say again, what? You don't know this, but every year in January, you know how many churches reach out to our church about, hey, we're going to go fill a stadium. Where did they get that idea? From you. Because you did it. And they're like, hey, we want to do that. Mega churches in this area, if I started dropping names, they call. Hey, can you help us do this? We're like, why aren't you? You should be leading the way on this. You got budgets that you don't even know what to do with. I'm here just trying to pay rent for the theater building we rent. I'm just trying to get enough so we can get outreach stuff. I'm just trying to do this. And here they're saying, hey, how do we do this? How do we? You know why? Because God said, hey, if I give you a mission, you'll actually do it. Because you'll own your average. And just say, God, I, I, I'm a sharp instrument that God can use. But you say, why don't most people use it? And let me give you an illustration. I, I got more messes than I got time. There was a, a female dog. She got hit by a car. And her back legs no longer worked. And uh, the female dog came to, came to find out was pregnant and had a litter of puppies. The interesting thing about the puppies is they started to walk like their mom. Their mom could only walk on her front paws, couldn't walk on the back, so drag her back hind behind her. All the puppies started doing the same. The only problem was the puppies had not been through that. They did, they didn't, that didn't happen to the puppies. And all of a sudden, guess what? The puppies started to do it. You know why? Because we mimic our models. And some of you have had bad models, and you're mimicking them. But what does Romans 12, 1 and 2 say? 
Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the transforming of your mind. The Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Some of you don't see yourself as a sharp arrow. Some of you don't see that God can use you. Get out of this idea that do I have the ability, am I called? How about you just go do some good in the world? How about you just say, God, I'm going to show up so God can show up through your life. How about you just say, God, here I am, God. I'll just be used. And God says, that's all I need. That's all I want. Because to an infinite God, all finites are the same. So God is just looking for somebody to say, Lord, here am I, use me. And God says, that's all I've ever wanted. And you and I have to stop mimicking these bad models. You see, what had happened is Israel had forgot to pass down these things. We don't have time, but read verses 11 down to verse 16. It talks about what God did in Egypt, how he split the sea. It talks about how he freed the people. It talks about how God delivered them from the battle. How God split a rock and water flowed out of a rock. It talks about these things. When's the last time you told your children, guess what? There was a time when mommy and daddy didn't think our marriage would survive, but here's how God saved it. Tell your children, you know, there was a time we were so broke. Guess what? We didn't have two pennies to rub together. We were so broke, but guess what? God showed up. He got the lights back on. He did this. He showed up here. He provided gas for the car. He provided this bill. God showed up in miraculous ways. Tell your children these stories so that they have a hope that's renewed in God so that we have a generation that says, you know what? This God thing's amazing. I was telling the couple that I was counseling. I said, marriage is awesome. It's great. It's too good. Only God could come up with this idea. It's just that great. And I know some of us have mixed emotions about marriage. But guess what? When we say, you know what, God, we're going to do this thing right, God, he steps in. So we've got to get a new model. Because to some of us, we have such a negative narrative. Everything you focus on is just negative. What happens? Feelings follow. Help me out. Focus. I'm glad two of you caught that. Uh, I worked so hard. Let's pray. (laughs) This is doing nothing. I think there's cupcakes in the back. Help me, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. How about this? When you just be you, sometimes we look around, and I I get it. I I caught myself this week. I tell people all the time, don't be on social media, and and you comparing your kids to somebody else's kids because that's edited, that's photoshopped, and they're lying, and, 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 and I do this, and, and I just thought about this. Every year I send out a postcard, and somebody's like, don't send me your postcards anymore, Mokaya. They make me feel old, ugly, and overweight, so just don't send your postcards to me anymore. And I was like, wait a minute. Isn't that amazing? We show everybody our filtered life. And I constantly challenge you, oh, don't give in to that. Don't give in to the comparison. But you know what I do on a Sunday afternoon? I go on. Wow, look at that church. Wow, look at that pastor. Whoa, look at that message. Man, they had 3,000 people there. Oh, my goodness, their children's ministry is bigger than our whole church. Their volunteer ministry is bigger than our whole church. Man, they raised $75 billion in one Sunday. Oh, my goodness. You know what I start doing? I start feeling worse and worse and worse, and you do too. I got my thing, and you have yours. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, God, you can't use me. And God's like, stop that. Stop that. You are what I made you to be. Be you. Don't try to be like them. Don't try to parent like them. Don't try to pastor like them. Don't try to lead your business like them. You can, you got to have the right models. Uh, Here's the last thing. Let me give it to you. And we got to go. We got to go. Arrows extend the reach of the archer. Arrows extend the reach of the archer. The Bible says this in Psalms 127. It says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so children are for a family. They're, they're, and happy as a man has his quiver full of them. 
So it's all about that next generation. We got to think long-term church. We can't think short-term. We can't go by the week to week. We got to say, you know what? What are we going to do over the next six years? I mean, just step back and just say, 1,800 people got one to Christ? That was worth it. Uh, 13,130 people heard the gospel. They all, every event we do, they hear the gospel. We're preaching Jesus. And they get mad about it. Some don't like the fact that you made me listen to the gospel. Yeah, it was good for you. It's like, it's like medicine. I know, it doesn't always feel good, but guess what? You needed it. What church is doing that in six years? A church our size. And we didn't know what we were doing. Now we know what we're doing. So guess what? The stakes have been raised higher for the next six years. We got to go farther. We got to let it fly this year. We can't just simply say, well, we did it once. That's okay. No. There are new battles. There's new mountains. There's lost people. Look around this city at all the hurt, all the pain. The Bible says in Lamentations 1.18, my eye affects my heart. I know you've had a stressful week. I know finances are tight. I know it's difficult to raise a family and stay married and be involved in the demands that everybody has on you. Everybody's got demands of you, and, and you want to meet them, and, and you're trying. And you step back, and you think, God, I just can't do it all. But yet I want you to understand that God is saying, hey, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to do great things. And you may see that arrow and think, God, I, I can't do this. And I'm here to encourage you this morning that God wants to extend your own reach, not just to this generation, but to the next generation and the next. The history of the Bay Area will be transformed by this church. And it may not be because we have a church of 20,000 people. It may be because we're the church that nobody knows about, but yet we just keep preaching to tens of thousands at a time. We say, you don't have to know about us. That's okay. I'll be the Mordecai Ham. I'll own my average. I'll be the Mordecai Ham but I get to have a part in reaching the next Billy Graham? How awesome is that? How awesome is that if the next Billy Graham is sitting over in that classroom over there? How awesome is the next Billy Graham is here? How awesome would it be that the next Rick Warren is here? How awesome would it be the next Craig Rochelle was here? How awesome would it be if the next Beth Moore was right here? How awesome would it be if the next Amy Carmichael was right here? How awesome would it be if the next Hudson Taylor, a missionary that literally brought the gospel to the country of China, is right here? How awesome would it be if it just started here? And guess what? We look back and we say, how come we're not filling rooms? And God's like, don't worry about it. There's so many people in this church that I love, so many great mentors. One day I was sitting down with Rod Rodriguez, and he told me an illustration that his former pastor gave him. And he said, you can count the seeds of an apple. But only God can count how many apples are in that seed. Only God can count how many seeds are in this church. Only God knows the full potential. But you know what's going to hold all that potential back? Is if we don't let that arrow fly. My favorite Olympic moment happened in 1992, the Barcelona Games. You say, why? I was eight years old, and I was watching the ceremony, the opening ceremony. And they were going to do something they had never done before, nor have they ever done since. All the lights in the stadium went out so that you could see the Olympic torch coming into the stadium. That torch that had been around the world that they had to keep lit. 
that they had to keep lit because it was in really going back to an Olympic race where the winner of the race was the one who finished with his torch still lit. That's where it comes from. And so the runner came to the podium, and on the podium was a paraplegic archer. And he sat there with his bow, and the torch lit the arrow. And then the archer was supposed to hit the Olympic torch that they had raised high into the sky already. The only thing the archer did not account for was whenever he had practiced, he had never practiced at night with the stadium lights off. So all of a sudden, the only thing he had to guide him was the light on the end of that arrow. And he said, I could kind of faintly see the glimmer from the bowl. You know, some of you don't know how to hit the target, and the only thing you see is that little bit of light where Jesus said, I will be a light unto your path. I'll guide you. I know the world seems dark. I know every circumstance just seems overwhelming, soul-crushing. But God is saying, a little bit of light. You'll make it through. Today, my phone has been blowing up with text messages, people saying, happy anniversary. Your church is the most tenacious church I've ever met. Four out of five church plants fail before their fifth year. Most people don't make it. They said, your church has grit. Your church has determination. Your church are filled with fighters. People that are average. Nobody thinks that they're going to do great things. But then all of a sudden, you guys just show up. And you guys are changing the Bay Area. You're doing great things for God. I know we don't get to celebrate it enough. I know we come off of Easter and we're thinking, whew. Wow, that was an experience. Not sure if I'll do that again. Glad we did it. Not sure if I'll be here again. Not sure if I want to pass out trees. Not sure if I want to give to the building. But all of a sudden, God just says, I'm doing something. And we're average. And you know what's so great about that? We can't point to ourselves. I can't point to any of us and say, well, that's the reason why we did that. I've simply got to say, God did it. God did it. God showed up. You ever heard the term, it's a long shot? I wrote in my journal that this morning. I said in 2014, it was a long shot. It was a long shot. It was a trick shot. Not sure if we're going to make it. And this morning, you're looking at your life, and you're saying, it's a long shot to that target. But this morning, I hope you take from this message the faith, the encouragement, and the passion to take the shot. Because here's what I'll tell you. That long shot, once you take the shot, doesn't seem so long. It doesn't. It's not like as bad as you thought it'd be. You're going to take that shot, and you're like, why was I so nervous? Why was I so scared to do that? The devil wins when we don't release, when we don't let that arrow fly to the next generation. Can we all stand as we close? And thank you for being gracious. I've taken more time. If this is your first time at Southridge, thank you for your patience. I feel like this is a word for this year, for this ministry. I feel like there are targets 
that are so big and so audacious. And I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about for you and your family and for your marriage and for your relationships and for your career and for this city. And so I'm praying for that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're saying, Pastor, I've got some big targets this morning. I got some big dreams. I got some big goals. And they just seem insurmountable. But Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you lift up your hand? Can I pray for you this morning? God bless you. I see hands in every section. God bless you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I need to give my life to Christ. I want to pray that you make that decision today. I want to pray that today you begin that journey where you pick up that bow, where you understand who God has made you to be and you become all that God wants you to be. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for sustaining us. Thank you for being our daily bread. Thank you for giving us peace in the middle of the most chaotic, the most difficult, the most trying and challenging seasons. And we've been able to look back and say, God, my hope is renewed in this generation. God, would you do great things? I believe the next six years, you are going to increase the kingdom impact that you have done through this church. You've done through these people. Father, may we have a renewed sense of passion. May you awaken things in us. May you stir up the gift that you've given us so that we would accomplish your will. May your kingdom come as it is in heaven. May it be here on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.